Welcome to the Truth About Your Health podcast, where it's our mission to expose the truth about your health to burnt out men and women so we can empower 100 million people to go from exhausted to energized. We do this by exposing the truth in all different areas of health and wellness on each podcast that you are simply just not being told. And this ultimately prevents you from having the abundance of energy that you are looking for. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Truth About Your Health podcast, where we teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about their health so that they can get their energy back quickly. And I'm really excited to interview our next guest, who has recently released his second edition of his best-selling book, Unstoppable, which is a 90-day plan to biohack your mind and your body for success. Uh, ben Angel is here with us. And Ben, I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your time with us. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. I'm excited to dive into it. Yeah, so well, let's dive right in. So you, you yeah. have the, the second edition of Unstoppable, and it's a 90-day biohacking plan for success. And I guess I would just start with what, what inspired you to, to go down these rabbit holes and, and write a book like this, because I don't think that's where your background is in, right? So maybe give us a little, oh. <laughs> give us a little journey through memory lane. Yeah, so it was kind of out of necessity at the time. I, for the first kind of 15 years of my professional career, I've been a professional speaker, helping coaching CEOs, entrepreneurs, and also in the area of marketing. But it was, I think, about almost five years ago that I did a three-month trip around the US. And when I finally got back home to Australia, I was suddenly here with fatigue, depression, and anxiety that wasn't typical of me at the time. And I had to give up my speaking career because I couldn't find the right thoughts. I wasn't comfortable getting up on stage anymore. And I, in fact, didn't speak at an event for three years. And I used to speak at over 60 events per year. So that was a big deal for me at the time. I was going to various different doctors. I wasn't getting the answers that I needed. And people ask, okay, well, what were you eating? What were you doing? I had the strictest, healthiest diet possible. I was doing CrossFit. I was meditating. I was doing everything that you should. And just nothing worked. And it was, I think, one conversation, interaction with one doctor that really inspired me to go on this journey and research the book was I explained my symptoms to them and she effectively just said, well, you're tired, you might have chronic fatigue, most people just don't get over it. So just kind of deal with it to a large degree. And at the time I was suicidal and I walked out of that doctor's office in tears going, this is the fifth doctor that I've seen in the past year, I've been constantly dismissed that you kind of, not necessarily saying it outright, but you kind of just have to deal with it and get over it. And I was supremely frustrated because I realized at the time I could go in one of two directions. One was to accept it, but accepting it meant I would never be able to speak on stage again because I wasn't functioning. And the second thing I'd have to accept is that I wouldn't be able to write any more books. And that's, you know, that's my soul's purpose. That's what I love doing. So I got to this crossroad and thought, well, all right, how am I going to fix this problem? So I came up with, in hindsight, was probably one of the craziest ideas I could think of, which I thought, okay, I'm an author. I'll pitch to Entrepreneur Magazine at a time where I was providing business education videos to. I'll pitch to them the idea 
that I would go on this 90-day mission to biohack my way back to health. And, you know, I didn't really think it through at the time because the truth was I didn't know if I was going to get better or not. I could have done that, signed the book contract, and then had to refund (laughs) the book advance at the end of it because I wasn't any better and I certainly wasn't going to lie to people through a book. So that took me from Australia to Florida here in the US to interview functional doctors, different gut health tests. I even traveled to Canada to interview biohackers and nootropics experts, different like biohackers as well as neuroscientists, psychiatrists, counselors, nutritionists to really start to pull the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, it's probably one of the hardest but most rewarding journeys I've ever been on. Yeah, it's a good intro. There's so many things that I think of there in terms of you come to that crossroads where you can go left or right. And I think a lot of reoccurring themes with the clients that we work with have that ready fire aim mentality where they just sort of jump right in and, and now, hey, it's sink or swim. And I'll give you a a quick little analogy is I remember when I went to chiropractic college in the US, I grew up in Toronto and I didn't have enough financing to get through a full year. And I did everything you needed to do to be able to show to the US uh, immigration to be able to qualify for a student visa. But I also remember thinking, holy crap, how am I going to get through the year? Because I, I, you know, if I don't have enough money. And I got to find and I ended up getting I joke around I ended up getting a loan from uh, an agency and if it wasn't Luigi and and Carmine that were going to come and get me once I didn't pay it back it was just crazy interest rates but I had to do it but bottom line is is my buddy my best man of my wedding said to me what are you doing like what like what happens if you don't get through it and aren't like are you and yes it, it created my own stress but it wasn't an option. Right. It's sort yeah. of like burning the burning the boats, the Cortez and, and, and really not allowing the option of failing be a reality. Yes, it's stressful, but you are going to find your way. And I think it's it's indicative of why you got the success that you did, um, because even though you was a, a daunting task, I guess there was no option but to get better. So yeah. as far as what what was the. What was the, um, I guess the question would be is what, when you heard the, the words, there's, you just got to accept it. And that wasn't good enough for you. What was it? Do you feel that, um, that made you continue to search? And, and, and part B of that question was, was the term biohacking already on your mind or you already knew about it or functional medicine? So more along like, okay, no, I'm not going to take no for an answer. And I know that there's this alternative world that I need to explore. So maybe kind of give us a little insight on that. Yeah, I think the reason that I kept going is I grew up on a cattle farm in South Australia. So which is farming is the original hustle until you die culture as far as I'm concerned. And unfortunately, farmers have some of the highest suicide rates out of most professions, unfortunately, because it is a sink or swim environment. If you don't plant the crops at a certain time, you can't sow sow the crops later. And so I grew up with a very strong father who I witnessed go through seven years of drought 
making no money, still making it work somehow. So I had those values instilled in me. But it was also because I am an author and I've been an author since I was 23 years old, it was that interest and kind of sparked a little bit of interest in me that I thought, okay, what else is out there? What are the questions that I'm not asking myself that I need to be asking? Also, what are the questions that the doctors aren't asking me? Because I know if I'm not getting the answer and I'm not getting better, they're not asking me the right questions. And biohacking did pop up on my radar at one point. I think it was through Dave Asprey at the time. And it was then that I kind of looked at that field of expertise and started branching out, but also backtracking to go, all right, what was the sequence of events that occurred in the months before that I was suddenly hit with depression? And there were certain things such as taking a course of antibiotics for a sinus infection. Now, as we know, your chances of depression after taking two courses of antibiotics goes up by 45% because we need a healthy gut microbiome as well as the right nutrition to produce the right neurotransmitters. Now, my gut did not heal as it should have after, those, after the course of antibiotics. But of course, when you're in the thick of it, you don't understand any of that because you're taking a medication that your doctor has recommended. And at the time, yes, I needed it. But what I also needed, needed was a protocol to heal from taking the course of antibiotics, which I just wasn't educated on at the time. And I think throughout this process, I came to understand and look at myself kind of like a mobile phone. So for each of us, when we go to bed at night, we typically put our phone on the charger and we wake up in the morning, it's fully charged, it's good to go. But throughout the course of the day, the battery starts draining, the background tasks start slowing down. And when we hit maybe five or 10% charge left, it's typically when power saving mode comes on, which is when everything slows down, you can't use your flashlight, you can't make many calls because it's about to die. And I started to look at myself as, okay, I have this energy in the morning for a couple of hours where I can focus and I'm good. But as the day is dragging on, I get depleted. So I had this energy deficit between my goals and how much energy I actually had to be able to reach those goals. But there was this gap in the middle where it just wasn't enough. And in speaking with neuroscientists, psychologists and counsellors, I actually asked one counsellor, I said, is there a particular time of day that you do not take patients because you just don't get results? And she said, yes, well, there's one client that I will not see her after two o'clock in the afternoon, even if she begs to see me, because those sessions are always ineffective. And that's where I created this, I guess, a biohacking framework and put individuals into four different identity types, because as our energy drains throughout the day, our identity shifts. The second we get hangry, we get moody, we get grumpy, we can't focus. So we go from defender, who are kind of zero to 25% psychological and biological energy. So they're the ones in that hypervigilant state. They're in hyperarousal where every single thing in their environment is a threat. Then we have guardians who are 25 to 50% charge, who are very similar to defenders. They're just a little bit better. Then above the 50% threshold, we have synergists and then we have catalysts for the peak performance. And what I found is when 
we kind of hit the 50% threshold of how much energy we have, we automatically switch into self-preservation mode, which is where fight or flight comes on and your primal brain is trying to prioritize vital bodily functions over your goals. It doesn't give a damn about your goals. It's just trying to get through the day. So automatically our behavior changes to protect what resources we have left. And in understanding that, and for people listening, map out your day. Like at what point do you hit that self-preservation mode or are you constantly stuck in it like a defender is? Because becoming aware of that, it really takes the self-hatred and self-loathing off of your shoulders because you're no longer blaming yourself, you're just understanding yourself, which we've seen life-changing for thousands of people when they kind of understand how that concept works. Yeah, and you have a quiz that you can take, yes. so we can um, put that in the link. But what is the what is the link for them to take that quiz? Yeah, it's areyouunstoppable.com. And we've actually had over 75,000 people take that quiz. They're asked 30 questions based on both psychology and biology. I believe we've collected over 1.5 million pieces of data. And you start to see very specific patterns occur from the biological side versus the psychological side to go, okay, prevalence of gut health issues in the lower groups, such as Defender or Guardian, might be 80 to 85%. Well, those groups are also this likely to suffer from depression, fatigue, not be able to focus, not be able to reach their goals. So it provided us, and when I first launched the book, we'd surveyed, I think, about 1,000 to 2,000. But as the data keeps coming in on a daily basis, these patterns keep being instilled. It's amazing. It's it's like your own little study. And I would love to yeah. kind of help you look at the data and say, hey, there's another thing in there. But yeah, for for purposes of, of today, uh, a couple of things that I think of, Ben, I think about there was a study in I think it was Israel, Israel, and they were stutter, studying judges. And the closer they got or the further they got, was that in your book or was that um, but or was that just something I read somewhere else where the closer they got to or the further away they got from eating their food or the, the more their decisions were in, not in favor for, for the, uh, the defendants. So it kind of yeah. tells us about um, when we have an energy supply and demand problem, it, it impacts us. Just like I explained this to our clients is think of your body like a business. And if you have more income than expenses, then your business is thriving and you could do a lot of things that you plan on growing and scaling. But think of it as if your expenses are bigger than your income, you're going to have to make some decisions. And at the cellular yeah. level, that's going to impact reproduction, motivation, libido, because those are not priorities when you're just wanting to cool down the body when it's hot or warm it up when it's cold or increase the respiratory rate or blood flow. But what I love is that you have this understanding of there's a psychological price that is paid when there's an energy crisis. So yes. why don't you share with us how that really uh, supported your recovery process and your ahas that you had when there's a demand and supply problem that impacts 
your mood and your and your thought processes and your emotions and so forth. So we can go down that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think the biggest aha moment for me is coming from the cell, the field of personal development was that I realized that with the hustle and two day culture, we're constantly telling people to work harder, run faster, jump higher, you know, work those long hours. If you don't get enough sleep, it's kind of like a badge of honor. And part of the problem with that is that if you're biologically depleted as well as psychologically depleted, then that kind of those kind of mottos, that toxic positivity causes you to constantly blame yourself. And I ask people the question, which is what would happen to a peak performer if you depleted them of vitamin D, vitamin B, magnesium, obviously critical for brain health. What would happen to a peak performer if you disrupted their gut health, changed their diet? Well, they would end up depressed, unmotivated and procrastinate just like the rest of us would. And I think it's understanding that when I came across that aha moment for me personally, it was like, oh, well, okay, I need to stop blaming myself for everything and just start to look at the pattern that's actually unfolding. And I think that was probably the biggest key to healing for me, to understanding, okay, my energy is dipping up and down throughout the day. That's natural, normal part of life. But why is it being stuck here? Instead of blaming myself for having a lack of willpower, what's actually going on under here? So I actually have a journal as well, a biohacking journal, where each day I look at 16 different triggers and I ask myself the question, how is my gut health today? Am I chronically stressed out right now? Am I shallow breathing because I'm working too hard or I'm filming videos? What's the ventilation like in the room? Am I hydrated? Or have I had too much caffeine, which is great topic I'd love to talk to about in a second as well. But by understanding and answering those questions on a daily basis, it stops that self-blame from occurring. And when we look at depression and anxiety, we're constantly beating ourselves up. And there is, for me personally, I think there's a dark side to the self-help industry that we just look at the psychological perspective when someone is depressed, but we don't look at the biological perspective enough either. And that's been reinforced through, I don't know how many years of self, through the self-help movement. So I like to tell people, look at it as one coin. There are two sides to every coin. One is biology and one is psychology. And if you're just focused on one or the other, then the answers you get will always be imbalanced and you won't necessarily get the answers that you need to heal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I I think that's a great point. I, I explained to some of the clients I work with is you you can't you can't be the Dalai Lama and still yes. have a, a major oxidative ember that's not being extinguished in the body and and not address that and expect your your willpower or your positive positive mental attitude to overtake everything. And then on the flip side, even if you do all of that and you're not thinking about the I guess the plasticity or the impact that the yeah. repetitive fatigue has created in your brain to etch out the, the program to run automatically as soon as a stressor happens, the emotion of I'm not good enough or I'm just not going to be able to do it or I don't deserve to be healthy. All of them need to be to be worked and, and addressed yeah. and identified. 
And the, the biochemistry will only support a positive thought as long as it's been balanced and it's looked after. And it's not to say we should put more emphasis on one or the other, it's that we need to cover all of our bases. And I mean, I spoke to a clinical counsellor when I was researching the book and she had one, one particular patient who was constantly suicidal for almost five years. And thankfully she hadn't acted on that. And anyone listening, please ring a helpline and get support as soon as possible. But throughout the conversations I had with her, she actually messaged me a few months later and said, Ben, my patient actually had a vitamin D test done and found that she was severely deficient. And within three months of dealing, that, dealing with the deficiency, the suicidal tendencies left. She changed her job. She started a new business. She reconnected with family and friends that she hadn't spoken to for years. Now, that's not to say vitamin D is the only thing. Of course, it's not. But to just be working with that client, and for my friend particularly, it was such an eye-opening experience with her who she now sends all of her clients to the doctor to make sure that they get a full panel done on their blood test to make sure that there aren't any deficiencies. And we get, we get emails from doctors and psychologists every single month saying that they've actually changed the way that they treat their patients after reading the book, which is incredibly humbling to me because I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nutritionist. I looked at this from kind of a research, investigative research perspective to heal myself and to give people a framework to say, here's the framework, here are some of the key areas that you need to start with. And here's where you kind of need to branch out next. Oh, that's awesome. It, it, it's sometimes it's 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 not rocket science, right? It, at the same no. time, like we want to think about it as there's a lot of sophisticated moving parts, and it does get very scientific. And yep. a lot of people that are in the the that frustration and just exhaustion, they have to use the energy the limited that they have to be their advocate and and go down those rabbit holes and it can be very complicated but at the same yeah. time it isn't rocket science i have a gardener who's who's older and his wife passed and i called him the other day and he didn't sound coherent and he didn't make it to the to our house and i thought oh that's weird let me call him again and I said, hey, Fred, are you having challenges with, since your wife passed? I mean, are you cooking your meals? Like, when was the last time you ate well? Are you getting nourishment? And he really hadn't. And he's out all day. And I said, listen, you got you to gotta get food that is your grandmother would recognize, right? Yes. Because it's got to come yeah. from the earth and it's got to be plentiful and it's got to be nutritious. And are you drinking enough water? And, and I know that he's already doing better because of that major fact. So you talk about what you, I like that you talk about that. And it's exciting to hear that you're changing practitioners uh, MO and their whole, their whole way of, of looking at things, which is fantastic. So what I like to get into now is as far as the biohacks. So yeah. I guess, what would you say for someone who, I think at this day, unless we're living in a cave, we understand what biohacking is, but what would you say biohacking is given your definition on what you've been through and then maybe let's start to talk about what you feel are some of the best biohacks that you still implement and re recommend 
Yeah, biohacking by definition keeps changing depending on each person you speak to. So for me, I'm specifically looking at, okay, what are different biohacks to improve brain function, mood, improve digestion through the gut-brain axis to ensure that we're functioning at our absolute best? Now, that can include a myriad of different things. So modulating dopamine, looking at nutrition, getting blood tests done, getting a gut health test done. It can also include different devices like the one that I have sitting on my desk right here, which emits, it's a PMF device. So it emits a specific frequency and you pop it on your head. So your brain starts to sync with the frequencies that it's emitting. So if I'm stressed out, I pop it on, I'll put a theta frequency on and I did it before the interview just to relax <laughs> so I can just let my brain process the information and I find things like that really help a lot but I think when it comes to biohacking people just need to be aware that they do need a framework to work within and when I first started before I wrote the book I didn't have that framework of the four different identity types to compare myself so each week I take the online quiz myself and say, okay, I've dipped a little bit this week. What does that mean? What do I need to do this week? And then I'll look at a specific biohack that might help that. So maybe I'm stressed out because I just wrote 5,000 words in one day and my brain is overstimulated. And to address that, that might simply mean putting an ice pack on my forehead before I go to sleep to cool the prefrontal cortex down. So things like that I've learned to use to make sure that I'm performing at my best and to also make sure that I don't slip into depression again because it can be incredibly easy. And like you said with your friend, the gardener, that when you're going through chronic stress, you're being hit by both the psychological and biological side and it's very hard to solve the problems yourself. So it's very hard to kind of conceptualize and for people suffering with trauma as well, if they're trying to deal with childhood trauma on top of a vitamin D deficiency, on top of a magnesium deficiency, on top of gut health issues, then all of those underlying issues are going to amplify that traumatic experience because the body and the brain are in a complete state of disarray. So sometimes we need to work from the bottom up. We need to address these other issues, get our brain functioning the best it can. And then what we found with a lot of uh, people that have read the books or done my online programs is that once I address those other issues, the amplification of the stresses in their life tend to either disappear or they're in an actual position where they can logically think it through and deal with it. So. To me, biohacking, it's one of those terms that's going to keep changing based on the technology that we have, as well as the supplementation, as well as nootropics and smart drugs. And uh, it's quite astounding what we've got coming through the pipeline in terms of new medicine that's coming out. It's exciting. On the other hand, it's also we need to be hypervigilant in that we don't just fall for anything and everything, which I think a lot of people are doing right now. Yeah, I mean, more so the, and I like your definition. I, I look at it as also data tracking, right? Yes. Because yeah. you, you want to know objectively 
where you are and where you're going. Cause a lot of clients or even people that uh, I talk to, they're doing so many things and it's throw whatever crap against the wall that you can. And you don't know if it's making a difference or not. So you have the ability to actually track with key metrics as to whether it is so that you have those shades of gray being identified, but you may not notice until it's really changing colors at the subjective level that it's going in the right direction. And I think that's really key because I had a conference, the biohacking Congress conference that I spoke about, I spoke at, and I think that most biohacking isn't so much for optimization right now. It's more yeah. for ending pain. I think it's we're on the defense in yeah. terms of you look at the pandemic and how it's a metabolic issue that created such a bad response to something that we would, I think, normally be able to address or deal with. But that's more of a, a pointer of it's the best of the best and the worst of the worst. So, yes, it's an exciting time to see yeah. that we have ideas on how your genomics work so that you can customize a recovery strategy. We have all these cool things that we could implement and really have amazing results. But yet we're surrounded by 5G if not more on a daily basis and glyphosates and pesticides and sprays and social media and and just a frenetic pace of life that it's also an epidemic in terms of how how problematic it is so I always say it's the best of the best and the worst of the worst yeah 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 I think that we have to be very careful because you can become obsessed with every single individual component of what's going on. Now, if you're obsessed with every single thing, you know, I am concerned that to a degree, some of the biohacking, how much is being pushed could create mental health disorders or anxiety where it shouldn't exist in the first place. So if we're talking about toxins in our food, et cetera, then we do need to be wary of, okay, the dose always makes the poison. And I think the most important thing for me personally, because I did go through that complete obsession phase of tracking every single little thing to make sure that I'm doing it right. But at the end of it, I kind of came out of it and said, okay, well, what's working for me and what's not working for me right now? I don't really give a damn what the next kind of evil thing is being positioned as in the biohacking space, which happens because it drives clicks, views and comments and from a social media background and also understand how PR and media works. So I think it's very important for people to understand just because an issue is being brought to your awareness, it doesn't necessarily mean it's affecting you individually. Take a step back, look at your own diet. If you eat a food that's being demonized right now and you're fine, then based on your bio-individual individuality, maybe your body can process that food right now. But if you're already depleted, maybe you're extremely affected by it. And that's up to the individual. So it's very easy to go down a scary rabbit hole based on some of the information that's being put out there that I'll be honest, some of it has been disheartening in the past couple of years to me where I've taken a step back and said, you know, you're, you're scaring people <laughs> without needing to scare them. And I think 
based on bioindividuality, we just need to take a step back, find a good functional doctor or someone such as self to actually look at, okay, what's affecting the individual instead of being bombarded with all of this information because we have all these supplements and products out there and there's always something that they're fighting against to sell the product. And I think it's really important for people to understand that so they don't get sold on stuff that they potentially don't even need. Those are really good words to, uh, to listen to, Ben. It, it, you know, again, it comes down to simplicity and, and yeah. parietal's principle. And what can you do 5% change that will give you 95% improvements? Or what are the big rocks? Don't trip over dollars to save pennies and so forth like yeah. that. And, and I think that was one of the challenges I had with my coaching clients is I, I want to teach you how to understand what your weak links in the chain are for yourself so that you don't pull on them and how it expresses. And I want you to be aware of these certain numbers or metrics, but at some point it becomes, does the ends justify the means? You're getting stressed to try to figure this stuff out yeah. and it's making you crazy, all right? And so... Um, with that being said, what would you say then what are for, for you and what you've researched that are some of the, the 95% improvements with the 5% impact, given that you realize that it's not just take this pill? Because that's frustrating for me. I get a lot of comments that say, hey, can you recommend a supplement? Or I'm part of biohacking Facebook groups and hey, what's the biohack for this? What's the biohack for that? And you know what? I, I want to say there's no free lunch. You, you no. just, it took you a long time to get to where you got to, and it's going to take you time to get out of where you got to. And once you create a surplus, you do, you referred to this in, in one of the other things you're saying, the body will take care of itself. So if you have a demand and supply problem and you start making more biological income than you do expenses, you don't need to micromanage how the body's going to use that. It's going to fill yeah. up the cups that need the most filling up in the first place. So with that being said, though, what would the listener, what could you want to tell the listener that, hey, these are the things that I know I've seen the best results for me. And it may be different for you, but but here's the ones that I love and here's the ones that I see have the most impact. Yeah, it's kind of because we divvied it up into four of the different identity types, Defender, Guardian, Synergist and Catalyst. With the Defender, for example, we know based on surveying 75,000 people that they've had suicidal thoughts in the past month. Um, but we also know that their nutrition is incredibly poor. So immediately we recommend, please go to a doctor, ideally a functional doctor who will look at the body holistically and take every single thing into consideration. And the other reason I recommend functional medicine is because you will typically spend up to an hour with your doctor versus the medical system where you might get 10, 15 minutes if you're lucky. It's, I still can't believe that doctors can make a diagnosis in that. And that's not a criticism of the doctors themselves. It's a criticism of how the healthcare system has been set up effectively. So if they're a defender, then it would be functional medicine doctor, get all your blood panels done. I would also recommend a gut health test. Um, also speaking with a doctor about any medications that they've been on for the past couple of years. Um, I, at the time, was also, I'm an asthmatic. I, as a kid, I used to get rushed to hospital. 
because we didn't have the Ventolin inhalers that we do now. But I found personally that the Ventolin inhaler was one of the causes of my depression and anxiety. Now, I thankfully, even though the doctor said I'd never get off it, I've been off of it for, I think, three and a half years because I, fact, because I looked at every other component around it and it was kind of a happy accident. I never kind of decided to buy a hack to get off of the medication, but it was it became more conscious that when I had to take increase my dose because of hay fever season, like, why is my depression, anxiety really peaking during hay fever season? Okay, well, that coincides with an increase of medication I'm taking at the time too. So that's kind of for defenders. Um, guardians are very much similar. And, you know, I think one of the most important things people can do is, first of all, look at the diet and identify any dietary triggers. For me, caffeine is a massive trigger. And, you know, as you've read in the book, when I came back from my three-month trip around the U.S., I had the worst jet lag. Like you're flying from the US back to Australia, which is on a completely different time zone. So I started drinking coffee to kind of get functioning without realizing that I'm highly sensitive to caffeine. And we know that caffeine increases lactate in the brain, which is implicated in panic attacks. And I came across an incredible story, Ruth Wallen, who actually is extremely allergic to caffeine. She was admitted to a psychiatric hospital with bipolar disorder, uh, split personality, anxiety, depression. And thankfully a doctor came along and realized it was caffeine that was her trigger. It wasn't just her mindset. Her mindset was a symptom of a psychoactive drug that she was consuming on a daily basis. So for defenders and guardians who are especially depleted, I always suggest, you know, Take yourself off of caffeine for the next 30 days, gradually switch it out for green tea that contains L-theanine or black tea that contains L-theanine, but cut your dose in half and see how you feel within that 30 days. And you can certainly speak to adrenal fatigue and the effects of caffeine in that particular area. So for me, it's start with the basics. And then when you move into kind of synergist and catalyst, that's where you're going to start looking at more okay, are there wearable devices that can help with my stress and anxiety? Um, and I know you asked me the question about the wrist devices that I mentioned in the book, which vibrate on each of your wrists and it kind of short circuits the primal brain. And one of my favourite stories in the book is from my a great friend, Trish, who has had thalassophobia, which is fear of deep water in the ocean, where she had to give up a job because it was right near where the ships came in at the port here in Tampa. And she wanted to try the wearable devices. They're called touch points. We put them on her. She started looking at visual imagery of deep water, ocean, uh, the Jaws movie poster, which she can never look at, like her fear was bad. And we did that. And then eventually she wanted to go to the port. She even touched a ship. And then several months later, she was actually swimming, which she hadn't swam for over 20 years. And her husband said to her, Trish, do you realize that the water is actually up to your neck? And she just stopped and almost broke down in tears because the fear had just disappeared without having to deal directly with the childhood trauma that had caused it. 
So there are different ways to get the same result without having to dig up past experiences. And I think with biohacking, you really do need to trust your intuition because it's one part science, one part intuition. Uh, for those that are listening, you live in your body 24-7. <laughs> you know what's going on. It's up to you to effectively communicate that with the right person, potentially multiple different people in the medical field. Yeah, that was a really well thought answer because I agree with you. You can't think of biohacks to, to replace the foundational fundamental things. And I think yes. that's the way you answer that, especially when you progress it through the, the defender and the guardian, that these are the things that you can't expect the other things to work unless you have this. And you'll find that once you move into the synergist and catalyst, that the wearables or the other quote unquote biohacking tools will be that much more effective once i mean synergistic once you yeah. actually start using that it reminds me though i put a note down here when i read the book i said i really have to do a genome interpretation for ben because i know he's got a massive histamine issue whether he realizes it or not um, the way i look at just as an aside when i suffered with an adrenal fatigue problem it was frustrating for me to figure out why have I never heard of this when I have the background and education that I do and how many other people must have this that don't know about this on top of it doctors don't accept it as a legitimate diagnosis yeah. and then the same experience you had in terms of there's nothing wrong you may just have to accept it or it's you Joel you're depressed you're anxious you need to do this and, and no. so I went down that rabbit hole and what I realized is not just stress that impacts the HPA axis, it's oxidative stress, meaning you're creating free radicals in your body because your cells aren't breathing effectively. And one of the main things that happens is you stimulate something called mast cells, which is an immune response. And then the mast cells, when they degranulate, they produce histamine. So I bet when I review Ben's re report, he's going to have major what I call on roads or on ramps to his mast cell highway. And then he's got some really closed down off ramps to his histamine highway. So he's got all this traffic. And so I'm excited to do that, but it's a whole yeah. new way of looking at uh, an HPA axis, adrenal health. So on no, I, 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 yeah. I don't doubt that for a second, because I know for me, it wasn't just, caffeine or the ventolin medication that I know I have certain dietary triggers that certainly affect me, even though that, uh, you know, they could be healthy for some person, just like a peanut is healthy for some people, but for someone else, it's a life-threatening event. So I think it's, you know, when it comes down to bioindividuality and biohacking our way to health, I think a food journal is always, always a great step to look at and look at, okay, what is my mood like after I eat food? I know I can't eat chocolate. For whatever reason, it triggers me. It triggers that exact response that you just explained. And I know if I have too much of it, I will be moody. I will be angry out of the blue. It is bizarre, but at least I know it's one of my triggers that, hey, I can have a tiny little bit, but I'll have it on the weekend <laughs> instead. Right. 
Yeah, yeah and, I, and, I, and, and food is a major challenge for histamine production, but stress just in of itself, when think yeah. about it, if someone cuts you off on the highway or you almost collide with someone, that will create a release of histamine degranulating your mast cells just from stress alone or being angered or irritated. So that's where the psychology yeah. comes in play too. And you might be thinking, I don't get it. I've removed all the foods that I found I react to, but yet I'm still having these challenges. Well, it goes to show you that there's this whole reactivity to, um, to stress. So I guess yeah. maybe a little more sophisticated is one of the things you mentioned is the importance of heart rate variability and how important heart rate variability is to understand how things are implementing or impacting you once you once you do that. So why don't you tell us about your experience with heart rate variability and then maybe if you want to we could talk about one of the companies we we mentioned earlier that you're a bit upset with because they haven't <laughs> updated there because I'm curious yeah. to know about that too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think heart rate variability is a good metric for people to work off of. Um, originally, when I was looking at it, I was using the Aura Ring, so I'm happy to dive straight into that because yeah. we we have so many wearable devices that are coming out into the marketplace. Um, for those that don't know, Aura Ring is a wearable ring you pop on your finger. Uh, the claims are tracks heart, heart rate variability, sleep stages, and it ultimately produces a readiness score as to how ready you are to pursue activity for the day or whether you actually need to take a step back and rest and recover. Um, what I've found with following that company for the five, last five years is unfortunately there was a major gap in their study research, specifically with sleep, not necessarily heart rate variability. But the, one of the sleep studies had done was in 2017 and then I think there was about a three or four year gap before the next sleep study was done and both of those sleep studies have conflicts of interest with either boards or advisors from Aura Health actually part of the study or the study is being funded by the company itself um, and I started speaking out against this about a year ago and people kind of pushed back on me but now people are starting to wake up a little bit, which is nice. But I think when we're looking at any of these devices, whether it's to track HRV or our sleep, we just need to take a look, take a step back and understand you know, these devices, there are so many different things we need to be aware of, specifically with the studies. A lot of the studies are out of date because they're done on the previous device, not the current device itself. Um, which poses a major issue, especially if certain sensors have been updated on the device and the study isn't being updated in accordance with that particular sensor. So when people are looking at these devices to track whatever, we just need to understand, okay, it's good if you use it as a snapshot of health and go, okay, this is just a general guide. But the dark side of sleep trackers is that we also have the nocebo effect, which is the dark side of the placebo effect. And we, I was reading a study only the other week around when people are with gene research, when they get some of their panels done, sometimes their physiology changes in accordance with the results of the test that's been conducted. And obviously you can speak to that specifically, but we need to be careful 
of how much information we're taking on from these devices, especially trackers um, that may not be accurate depending on which device you're using. So when it comes with any of that kind of information, it's up to whoever's providing that data to someone say, hey, this is a general guide. There's either limited research or this is the research or here's what we need to do next. And I think people need to be really wary of that. Companies such as Aura Ring Health had a $110 million investment, I believe it was only just a year ago. Their customer service has slipped. They're not keeping up with the complaints and people are having a lot of issues. Um, if I was to recommend any health wearable, I would actually suggest Fitbit because they actually have a massive library of studies up on their website. It's actually a separate dedicated website just to their studies. But I warn people, you will go down a rabbit hole. I want to pull your hair out trying to keep up with this research because it's impossible. Anyone who claims that they have the most accurate sleep or wearable tracker, just I call BS immediately because you would have to look at hundreds or thousands of different studies that are being conducted right now. And that's probably to get that off of my chest. <laughs> when it comes to HIV, you know, you just want to be wary of where you're getting that data from, who is actually measuring that, what is the intention of the company behind it, who is supporting those studies, and just not take it as gospel, but just as a general guide. Otherwise, it can negatively affect you psychologically. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it wouldn't, it's unfortunate, but the that's how almost all studies are, whether it's in the yeah. holistic world or it's in the pharmaceutical world. And I think that's something that is a real tragedy, tragedy because it's motivated by the big dollars and it's biased and it's skewed and there's real no accountability. And that's a whole other rabbit hole. But I've yeah. always been about transparency, Ben, in terms of the, the, pop, the public want to see your flaws they embrace that. And if you could say, hey, look, we're doing the best we can. And this is something that we've funded that we, because no one else is going to publicly do this. And we've done whatever, 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 instead of hiding behind it. And then after having to say, oh yeah, well, we funded it. Like just be transparent and, and let people yeah. know what's going on. Yeah. I think my biggest concern right now is biohacking in the past couple of years has almost become the new breed of snake oil salesmen. So we just, and I see a lot of others promoting different supplements and you do a little bit of research and you find out, okay, they're a shareholder in the supplement and suddenly they're promoting that everyone has this brand new problem that we've never really heard about before and you need this. <laughs> so, and that's why I think it's critical that someone speaks with someone such as yourself or a functional doctor and sit down, okay, is it actually an issue or not? Or is it just the next trend in this wave of media cycle that's actually coming from the health industry itself, not pharmaceutical? We, we have a mix of both. So I think we just need to be more conscious in general to come back to basics. What's working for me? What's not working for me? What do I need to be aware of? What are the intentions of some of these people that are selling supplements and anything else behind it? And whenever I review a supplement or a wearable device, I always, always interview the people behind it 
to find out the backstory. I look over their research or what research is available and I test it for myself and it may work for me, but it may not work for someone else. And like you said earlier, if they don't have the foundation right, then a lot of this stuff just isn't going to work for you because a lot of this other stuff is about optimization. It's not about addressing the core issues that are sitting below the water level of what's actually going on. Yeah, again, real great insight. I think that the real biohack, which you alluded to, is is fundamentally getting yourself healthy and, yeah. and, and checking your gut function, 70 to 80% of our immune systems there, eating healthy foods, uh, and really not expecting there to be jack in the beanstalk approach of there's this golden beanstalk with a pot of gold at the end. Of, you can't be lazy. My wife taught our kids that the lazy man works twice as hard right and you have to you have to really take accountability it's paradigm shift it's and that you allude to in the book it's really bridging the gap to where you are to where you want to get to and then being able to to bridge that gap by doing fundamental things and taking accountability and, and changing your life and making small habits and as you start to get some momentum then you'll realize you're human. And when you fall off the, the wagon, so to speak, and you pay the price of feeling crappy, then you realize, okay, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to give myself grace and I'm going to continue on where uh, I was doing. And that's sort of the definition of hormesis is, is that you want to stimulate change. Your body's really great at, at, at getting adjusted to what you're doing, that if you do it too long, it's going to get complacent. And you're up. so sometimes cheating isn't a bad thing. You're actually yeah. teaching your body to be able to, to tolerate that. So in, in sort of coming to, to an end here, as far as, you know, with people that are really struggling, um, someone that is having a really tough time mentally, uh, what would you recommend for them, Ben? Because I know that's um, a, 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 a touchy issue or a very personal issue that you've experienced yourself. And I'm sure it's part of your mission to help other Ben's that haven't had those ahas yet. So what would you tell them given everything we've talked about today? Yeah, first of all, take the pressure off of yourself because you can only push through with willpower for so long. Uh, we know brain chemicals get depleted through that chronic stress process and it triggers inflammation. So the first thing would really be to stop blaming yourself and assuming that it's simply a weak mental attitude because that is the most simplistic and dangerous response that unfortunately comes out of the self-help field, even though it's not said outright that it's really the unintended meaning behind a lot of stuff that's going on with the hustle to die culture. So I would say to them, Please get yourself to a functional doctor to get all of your blood panels done and speak to someone like yourself, of course, and just try and tease apart some of what's actually going on with you. Looking at your diet and doing some simple things on a daily basis, incremental improvements build up over time whether it could be, okay, I need to adjust what I'm eating. I need to start introducing some healthier foods. What can I introduce this week that's better for me? What can I introduce next week? And do it in incremental processes. But I think 
one of the biggest things that anyone could ever do is keep a food journal or a daily journal just to track, okay, yesterday I had three cups of coffee. Today I feel like hell. Gee, I wonder if there's a connection there. Maybe I burnt myself out. I overstimulated myself. I increased lactate. I caused myself to get anxious and panicked. And, you know, ask yourself, are you actually panicking about the task or the project or the event that's actually in front of you? Or is it simply a result of having too much caffeine, which we know so many people do? Come back to the basics and stop beating yourself up on a daily basis because it's beating yourself up isn't going to get you any better, any faster. No, that's, those are great, great words of wisdom. So as far as the name of our podcast is the truth about your health, and I think there's not a lot of truths about health that are being propagated by public health agencies, pharmaceutical industries, medical schools, even the food and farm bill in, in terms of what they're promoting. And it's a shame. Yeah. So as far as what would be the major truth about health that you realize now that maybe you didn't realize back then when you were going through the journey? Uh, I think for me personally is learning to listen to my own body and tuning out what others are trying to tell me <laughs> that's the next major issue. I think that has been the biggest thing of all. It kind of took off that relief from pressure I'd initially felt in the initial stages of researching the book of we've got to try every single different thing known to man. But at the end of the day, it just caused more stress, which made the situation worse. So it doesn't matter what the pharmaceutical industry is telling me. It doesn't matter what the health industry is telling me right now. It's like, is this working for me or is this not working for me? And after the, over the last couple of years, I know what my triggers are. I know that if I'm flat or exhausted, I can think back about the last 24 or 72 hours and go, all right, I ate something that I shouldn't have. It was great at the time, but I'm paying a price for it. Don't beat myself up for thinking that I'm just weak right now. I just consume something and I'm having a reaction. Don't overthink it. So, and that's probably the biggest thing is stop overthinking everything. Which yeah, and it's very easy to do. It is. And also too, knowing thyself, right? And yeah, making, I always call it listening to your little angel where you knew like you should have done something, but you didn't listen to it. And then only to happen, something happens where you should have, oh, I was thinking that, but I didn't do it. Just listen to it. And I think yeah. the great thing about as you start to get into the foundational fundamental things that becomes clearer and and more distinctive and I, I guess the last thing in terms of tying it all together is the mission how important was that and becoming unstoppable and understanding what you're doing it for what's what's the role of the purpose and the mission in biohacking and becoming unstoppable yeah for me it was um because I've always written books since my early 20s I wanted to go through this process, not just for myself to get myself back on track, but I wanted to share the, the dark side of the story through experiencing all of these challenges that 
whatever challenge people are going through right now, it's absolutely normal and every single person goes through it. I mean, I almost got banned from the US <laughs> trying to research this book. We went to extraordinary links. And I think the thing that really came out of this whole experience for me was life is not an experiment. You cannot control every single thing because the second you try and control it, things just fall off the rails and we've seen that in the past couple of years. You know, it doesn't matter what you try and do, if things are going to go in a certain direction, it will just fall that way. Sometimes we just have to accept it. So when I think about life not being an experiment, I think, okay, just trust myself, trust the process, just listen to my body, listen to my intuition and go from there. But the ultimate mission is to help as many people with depression, anxiety and fatigue as possible and help them to realise they're not mentally weak. There's a combination, there's multifaceted. And once we start to tease the pieces together, we can start to help as many people heal as possible. No, that's awesome. And, and it's very empowering to, to know what it is and what you can be doing about it. And the body's incredibly forgiving. I always say that if you smoke for 50 years and you had these charred lungs, you stop smoking, your body will produce uh, a whole new set of tissues and you'll have a whole new set of lungs. So the book's called Unstoppable, a 90-day plan to biohack your mind and body for success. It's it's second edition and um, and our, and that's by Ben Angel. You can go to the website to be able to take the quiz. And again, the name of the website, Ben? Uh, it's areyouunstoppable.com. Areyouunstoppable.com. Awesome. Well, listen, yeah. I want to thank you for sharing your time, your wisdom, and your mission to help other people. I think that's what attracted me to learning about you and and researching because we're similar in wanting to help people get the truth and and really live the life that they've been meant to live and i like the concept of democratization of health where we empower you to be able to take accountability and and get your health back so i appreciate all you do ben and i want to thank you so much for joining us today it's been my absolute pleasure thank you thank you Thanks for tuning into today's Truth About Your Health podcast, where our mission is to expose the truth about adrenal fatigue to burnt out men and women so that we can empower 100 million people to go from exhausted to energized. If you've liked what you've heard today and you're interested to see if this is a good fit for you to work with our Truth About Adrenal Fatigue recovery program, here's what to do next. Head on over to the truth about adrenal fatigue.com, all one word, forward slash podcast, forward slash booking. Again, the truth about adrenal fatigue.com, forward slash podcast, forward slash booking, and book an appointment to speak to one of our team members. Here's how it works we'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and get crystal clear on three things. Number one, Where exactly are you right now with your health? What's working? Troubleshoot everything that you're doing or not doing. And most importantly, figure out what's being missed and how much it's impacting you. On the flip side, we'll then tell you what would your health be like if it was solved and what would you be doing differently and what would that look like? So that by the end of the call, we will tell you everything that we think you need to do to bridge that gap and do it quickly. If we feel like you're a good fit for what we do, we'll tell you exactly how that will work. 
but there's no obligation to have to do any further work together. That way, no matter what happens, the call is going to give you tremendous value, hope, and direction. Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. And our mission is to empower 100 million people to go from exhausted to energized, as we've been helping coaching clients all over the world be able to transform their lives. Isn't it time for you to transform yours? Head on over to the truthaboutadrenalfatigue.com forward slash podcast forward slash booking and book your discovery call today.